Welcome to Taking the Helm with Lynn McLaughlin. In this ever-changing world, it's essential to prioritize our children's emotional well-being. Lynn can show you how to learn and model healthy emotional habits for your loved ones and become a rock-solid support system for your family. Now, here's your host. Hello, and thank you for joining us from wherever you are in the world. Last week's guest, Melissa Lines. just a quick recap. Don't we all agree that feeding our bodies with wholesome foods is vital for ourselves and our families? But our minds require that intentional care and nourishment too, don't they? Melissa and I talked about thought nutrition and what does taking a pause actually mean? Melissa experienced a significant life change that led her to close her business and embark on a 30-month intensive self-realization sabbatical. And we all need a thought rescue plan. I'd like to welcome our guests this week, Julia Recker and Kelsey Timmick, and both provide counseling for a business in Windsor, Ontario called Pure Mentality. They both help their clients with skills such as self-regulation, connecting the mind, body, and soul through a trauma-informed lens. Now, typically when people graduate with their diploma from child youth care, they work for an organization such as a school board or a local agency in their community. But Kelsey and Julia decided they were going to go into private practice. We're going to find out why and why this could be something critical for us to consider in our communities right now. Now, this is the first time that we've had two guests on one of my shows on Voice America. So let's introduce the two of you separately and our listeners can differentiate between your voices. Hello, Kelsey. Let's start with you. I'm ex- I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having us. My honor and pleasure. And you, Julia? Hello. Yes. Thank you so much. This is very exciting for both of us. Thank you. All right. Well, let's let's get into you know, in the introduction, child and youth care, CYCs, this is not a term that's commonly understood, I think. And there are a number of different terms that are used for this role, child and youth workers, child and youth counselors, youth workers, child and youth care workers, child and youth care, (laughs) just to give it a context for wherever you are in the world. And my understanding as a, as a post-secondary teacher is that this is a three-year program and you really have a strong belief in child and youth-centered holistic perspectives um, with a major focus on self-awareness and self-advocacy, uh, promoting resiliency in the clients that you work with. I, that's kind of it in a nutshell, but probably a very, very brief explanation. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's so much more to it. Um Um, So exactly what you said, child and youth practitioners, um, we are able to counsel. So not not like a therapy, uh, but it is a form of social counseling for children and youth. As a child and youth practitioner myself, it's a very like passion forward field. Um, But yeah, that's a very broad statement of what it is. Yes. Um, so those of you in in the public system, for example, in in school in the school systems, we have child and youth workers whose expertise is around behavior, right? Being proactive, helping us understand children's behaviors. What's the cause? What's the reason? How do we mitigate that? How do we move them into a place to be successful? But Kelsey and Julia have a private practice, which is you know almost unheard of, isn't it? Quite, yes. Um, We are the only child and youth practitioners from here to Peterborough in Ontario, Canada. So what drove you to open your own business rather than saying, I'm going to go work for a school? So for me, um, I have a daughter myself. So I really wanted to kind of get into something where the hours were flexible. I knew that I had always wanted to help children. And I honestly didn't even know Um, until my third year in the program that 
we could even go into private practice because it's not talked about in the school system, like in college, in the college setting, you kind of just go through your program thinking I'll work in the school board. I might work at CAS, uh, Maryvale for people in the Windsor community, um, different things like that. And I've worked with um, like in a field where I had dealt with like a lot of behaviors and I wanted to more focus on the mental health aspect rather than behavioral management so much. And when this opportunity came to me and I was able to have my placement at Pure Mentality, um, it just opened my eyes and the doors to so many things. And that's how I was like, okay, here, this is exactly what I want to do. Well, I'm thrilled to hear that it was during your placement that you saw this door could open for you. <laughs> it's something, you know, anyone in a type of pro- pro- program like this and community services are placed out in our community schools and agencies. And, you know, so you can figure out, you know, what did it, which area do you want to be in? What do you like the most? Do you like the younger children, the older adults? How how young are kids that um, that you take into care? The youngest I have had was three years old. And... um yeah, the oldest, we we can start with 25. If they kind of age out, we can still work with them, but starting with eight, age 25 for our oldest clients. But our youngest, I've had a three-year-old. I'm not really sure for Julia, her youngest. Because I'm just starting, my youngest is about 12 years old, but my range would go down to four years old. Now, I jumped over to ontariocolleges.ca. It's quite interesting. Um, They have a list of the courses that you've taken that cover a wide range of problems and situations. And some of them, they say, are depression, addiction, aggression, abuse, and poverty. And they teach you crisis management, treatment options and strategies, counseling, case management, and child and adolescent development. And when they list the professions or the places, sorry, that people can be employed, it includes schools, shelters and group homes, social service agencies, community and mental health centers, and correctional facilities. I'd like to see private practice included in there, but I guess you can assume that it's within the umbrella of some of those organizations. And of course, there's a link there to the Ontario Association of Children and Youth Care. So people are considering this profession. That just gives you a little bit of background information. Okay, so if I'm a parent... Let's just pick a 10. Let's just pick a child who's 10, around the age of 10. Why would I look to your agency as child and youth care workers, as opposed to going to a practicing clinician for? One of the the big things is that we do have, we offer that one-on-one counseling where also we have that affordable counseling services that we offer. And we are constantly furthering our education with different um, courses. I am trauma-informed care. And I think that's like a lot of what we push. Um, We also love to look at things in the holistic view. Yeah, absolutely. And to piggyback off of what Kelsey was saying, again, we are affordable counseling services um, and it's one-on-one counseling rather than group, um, although we do offer some groups as well. But one of the biggest things that we offer is uh, limited to no wait times uh, because we have so many, we have multiple uh, practitioners in our service um, that would be able to take clients on either that day, that week, or even that month, whatever works best with your schedule. 
And that is an incredible answer right there, because we all know it doesn't matter where we are in the world. There are wait lists for a whole bunch of reasons, which we cannot change them. We can't go back in time and say, how would we do to things differently? Uh, but the wait lists are, are quite, quite lengthy and also very costly. Some people cannot afford that, uh, which brings me to my next um, question. My understanding is so CYCs, are you uh, is there a professional college that you're under? Yes, it is called the OACYC. So it um, stands for Ontario Association of Child and Youth Practitioners. Um, so very basic, uh, but they offer um, a lot of resources for us as practitioners. So like Kelsey was saying, the trauma-informed care, um, that can also be done through the OACYC, as well as we can get insurance, um, both for our practice as well as for our personal self. So personally, you can't see me, but I'm wearing glasses. So if I, I'm starting to age out of my other coverage, I would be able to get it from this one as well. So they, they take care of their practitioners. They cover us if we need it. Excellent. So professional organization, professional standards, all of those things that come with it. And although there's no coverage with in Ontario, we'll speak specifically about where you're operating from. There's no coverage under the Ontario Health Insurance Plan. Um, there is coverage through people's individual plans. They just have to check into it. it might be partial. It might be full. Um, but it's certainly a step for immediate, getting immediate support as opposing to having to wait. And it may be that you're still waiting for, you know, a formal psychologist or social worker down the road. But in the meantime, your children have help. Exactly. Yes. Okay. That's specifically in Ontario. And so we have child and youth workers right across the U.S. and in various other countries around the world. And it would be up to each person to see um, if this is an option for them. Now, mental health support has come a long way in the last few decades, both the stigma behind the treatment and the processes involved for the better. But I think it's important to differentiate between what counseling and therapy is for the context of this conversation. One key difference is that counselors don't always need a master's or a doctoral degree to practice, which is what's happening with the two of you. And counseling is considered to be short term because in many ways, though, those sessions relate to what is happening here and now. And of course, you have goals for each of those clients to come to a resolution to the problems that they're having. So let's talk about therapy. Therapists need at least a master's degree in order to practice, and they have to maintain their license. Therapy is very often much more long-term, and one of the most common styles is cognitive behavior therapy, which helps people recognize those patterns and systems of thinking that may be leading to the depression or anxiety or other negative thoughts. And while they're not the same, they're both mental health treatment options, with a major difference being the time, the approach, or the education of the practitioner. And counselors cannot prescribe medication like a psychiatrist or a medical doctor can. I just thought it was important to research and delve into that. So why, ladies, did you choose this career path? Like just right from the get-go to be a child youth worker? Personally, um, I have always been quite a teacher's pet. So going through <laughs> grade school, going through grade school and high school, um, I've always been like drawn to helping people, being helpful as I can, and then always being there with my friends, being able to listen and help with advice as much as I can. Obviously, there were some times where I was a bit over my head, but I I had that instinct in me to always be helpful, to always like listen and be as good as I could be to other people. So with that, I started high school and they really pushed the science, science programs and everything. So I went into college, so St. Clair College specifically, thinking that I was going to go and be a veterinary technician. 
I did the uh, co-op placement with my high school as well. And I luckily got a job at a local veterinarian office and I'm still there today. Um, (laughs) But I went into St. Clair College thinking that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And that's where I I wanted to be. So I went through the pre-health program um, and then I was not successful in it. So I left for a couple of months, went back to pharmacy technician, totally outside my range. I was not prepared for it. And I was not successful in that either. So I was really in a hard spot. And I was talking with my mom one day and she's like, Julia, why did you go into the sciences? Like you've always been a people person, always been there for others you're so empathetic and kind and why don't we look at programs that would be better suited to that personality trait so I was looking and I was thinking maybe um, early childhood educator and then I found the child and youth program at St. Clair College and I read the description of it and I thought wow three years is a long time (laughs) but I applied for it anyways and I got in and I think that that was the best decision I've ever made in my entire life. I I feel so passionate about the work that we do and the services that we offer. And the program really enlightened me and helped me realize my personal self and helped me through a lot as well. Um, it's a very difficult program to be in when you're not self-aware. <laughs> it will quickly make you self-aware of your of your past and present and future and where you need to be at all times for yourself. So was, I went through all of my placements um, through the CYC um, program. I was at a daycare and that in Amherstburg, Ontario and a youth center also in Amherstburg, Ontario. And then my third one was at Pure Mentality with where Kelsey was also um, a placement student at and the supervisor there is absolutely amazing. And she recently expanded. uh, So it's called Pure Mentality. Um, She recently expanded and was able to take me on as another practitioner. And it is the best decision that I've ever made. I feel completely at home and exactly where I need to be in this world. I, I have to just thank you for sharing your vulnerability. Um, you've also hit on a couple of great things for parents, for teens that might be listening in terms of the career path we cho- we choose, right? And, you know, I've talked to a few other people in previous episodes about if we can get our kids when they're really, really young to know what they love and what they don't like, perhaps they can ha- that can help them, but it's not always the answer. We have to grapple like you did to say, I'm going to try this. It isn't working. And thank you for sharing. If it didn't work, you say, no, I'm, I've got to go somewhere else and took you three times, three times lucky. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yes. That is definitely one of the, one of the biggest life lessons that I've had to learn is that it's okay to fail, Yes. but you have to get yourself back up and you have to continue moving. So that was very difficult to come to terms with, but it made me to the person that I am today and the position that I'm in here talking with you. And it's incredible. Yeah, it's hard to look in the mirror when we fail, but if we can if we can take a step back and and actually ground ourselves to say, well, why? There's some real lessons there. There's some things to think about, right? Failure happens for a reason and learn Absolutely. from it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I sound preachy. I don't mean to sound preachy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. <laughs> All right, Kelsey, what what uh, what led you to be a child youth worker? Okay. So I 
found a lot of parallels between mine and Julia's path that brought us here. But again, I always knew as a young child that I was just naturally a healer. I wanted to help people. So then as I got older, I was kind of like in high school, the same thing, questioning, what am I going to do? Again, came up with the sciences. I thought I wanted to be a nurse. Then I took science and math and it was just not not my thing. So I switched to the social sciences in high school and I really gravitated towards them. And I also knew that I had always had a passion working with children since I could have a job. I was babysitting and that was always my favorite out of all the jobs I had as a teenager. And so from that, I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll go to school for teaching. So I went to London. It was the first year that Fanshawe was offering um, this specific program. There's only 12 of us in the in the whole program. And it was a it was a great program. Um, but when I went into my placement, there was a lot of mental health needs. And that's when it really rung true to me. I was like, okay, this this is I'm kind of in the ballpark where I want to be, but teaching isn't it. It's I want to work one on one with these children with with mental health needs. So I moved back home and I took a year off to save up and I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to school at St. Clair for the child and youth worker program. And during my first year, I ended up being in a very toxic relationship. So um, I was dealing with that during learning all of these things in the program. And soon after I was able to break up with him, actually a professor of mine and some friends in the program actually helped me physically leave the relationship because we were living together and they were just like super, super helpful and such a great time in my life that I had them there for my support. After that, I then found out that I was pregnant. So I finished up the year, my first year of CYC and I was like, okay, I'm going to have the baby. And when she goes to school, I'm going to go back. So kind of all of my lived experience with mental health. Um, and just like the motivation of my having my daughter, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to fail myself. And I wanted to show her like, you can no matter what life brings you, you can still carry on and, and continue with that journey. So it really brought me here to where I am today. And I just now I know like this is what I've been meant to do my whole life. So very inspiring, both of you. Look at the paths you've been on and yet you've landed. You've landed where you love and you're going to continue to make a difference in the lives of children. We're going to head off for a break right now. Uh, but I want to talk about Rosie's mission. What? We're going to find out all about that. We want to, I would like to know specifically the, the the young people that are coming to see you now, what, what seems to be their biggest need? And is there anything we can be doing proactively as parents and guardians or educators to try to mitigate that? Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Our kids today face a world that's different from what we experienced. The pressures they encounter are unique and they need a fresh approach. But fear not, we're here to guide us all towards a brighter future. 
Join us and schedule Heart Matters, Embracing Emotional Health for All, and uncover answers and proven strategies that work for our children's sake. It's more than an event. It's a catalyst for change. We delve deep into what being emotionally well truly means. It's more than just being happy or stress-free. It's about developing resilience, empathy, self-awareness, and more. Discover how normalizing emotions and modeling for our children will empower us all to build healthy relationships. You'll have the opportunity to engage with renowned experts in mental health and education as they share their invaluable knowledge and practical insights. But that's not all. We'll provide you with a wealth of resources. Whether you're interested in scheduling an in-person or virtual event, Heart Matters is designed as an interactive session to accommodate the needs of your school or community. Let's shape a future where emotional well-being is prioritized and our children thrive in loving and supportive environments. Discover the answers and act now for our children's sake. Email Lynn at lynnmclaughlin.com to start the conversation. Receive your free proposal and book your date. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You are listening to Taking the Helm with Lynn McLaughlin. Have a question for Lynn or her guests? Join us on the show at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Now, back to the show. And we're back from break. Thanks for joining us again with Julia Rucker and Kelsey Timmick. We've talked about so many things about child youth workers, which is a you know a different way to think about providing um, services and programming to our children and our students. What ladies are, what would you say is the primary need that you see? And let's break this into three groups. Our children under 10, our preteens and teens and our adults. What are the main reasons that you see people coming in and needing support today? Um, so for children, I'm noticing there's a lot of anger that we are dealing with. And that's kind of what the parents are coming to us for and the children are working through. Teens and adults, I would honestly say they're a lot similar of self-esteem, self-love, and self-regulation. And um, also to go back to children and teens, a lot of it is school related as well dealing with conflict at school. But overall, I would say for myself that that I've come across, those are the main topics of discussion in sessions. So I had a guest in Amber Raymond uh, about a month ago, uh, a social worker in in Windsor-Essex as well. She was seeing loneliness as as one of the biggest things in, in her practice. And the loneliness is related to, right, what's happening socially for a lot of students that don't know where they belong anymore. A lot of young people that, you know, I used to fit with this group. I don't fit with this group anymore. And they're trying to grapple and figure out their way through that. Is that part of what you see as well? Absolutely. I would say since the close down from COVID-19, there has been a severe deficit in socialization with everybody, right? And it has really affected the children so much. They don't know how to communicate with each other, how to socialize with each other, how to make friends, how to keep a substantial and healthy relationship, as well as how to set boundaries in those relationships. That has been a huge thing in my practice as well as setting those boundaries and understanding their limits. 
Well, if you think about a six-year-old, three years of their six-year-old life is in isolation. You know, that old saying, everything I learned, I learned in kindergarten. No, <laughs> let's turn that over and flip it, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, exactly. So it is about us saying, wait, oh, hold on a minute. How are we going to, how are we going to mitigate all this? How are we going to help them along to, to deal with this and learn all these things in a different way? Because it's a different world for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. A completely different world from when we were six to where now they are six and they're like many adults, I feel like they've had to grow up so fast. And how powerful of you to say that at your young age of 20 or so. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Kelsey? Um, Yeah, I would agree with Julia that we are seeing loneliness across the board. And a lot of it is they're not noticing a lot as well a lot of the time like we talk about anger and sadness and it's about digging deeper and figuring out what is causing those feelings within the children teens young adults and a lot of times we do find it is that loneliness and then it's integrating that the coping techniques the different kinds of tangible activities that they can do that they can also bring home and have open discussion with their parents and being able to give them that support. And like I said, the tangible objects so they can work on it, not just in therapy, but at home talking about it with their friends. I have young clients who they talk about coming to see me where that conversation wasn't really open and accepted before. And they're talking to their friends and saying, Oh, you should come see Kelsey or go to peer mentality. And even just that in itself is opening up that that community for them. Yeah, becoming more socially aware. So what would be an example of a tangible item that you would recommend for a student? I say student, but a young person. <laughs> so a lot of times um, I will implement art activities. So if no matter what we are dealing with in session, we will I will come up with an activity before session and implement that where they are putting their thoughts onto a piece of paper or artwork and they're able to bring that home and use that as a conversation piece or we might make them a board game and being able to open that up to family and have more discussion so different things like that so that way they're they're going home and also applying the techniques there and to extend that beyond beyond the home to a different environment we've created worry dolls like in session And they are, I promote them bringing them to school and having that conversation with their, their close friends that they do trust. And that way it's getting out into the, not just at home, but in their everyday environment. Or I like to give little, little art activities, stuff like that. So they can take it elsewhere and be able to have that as a regulation technique or anything that they are looking for. They have it for themselves right then and there. Forgive me for asking, what's a worry doll? So we can, you can create it anyway. The way that I have done it is with popsicle sticks and yarn. They create it, create a little face on the popsicle stick. And anytime they're dealing with something that they're stressed about, anxious about, they can speak those words into the doll. And the doll will take those worries for, from them and they can keep it in their desk. We can keep it really small so nobody has to know if they're just feeling like it's just private. They can keep it in their pocket, stuff like that. It could be anything then, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, something that takes your worries away. Ah, 
There's always something new. I love it. <laughs> all right, let's move over to a topic about obviously being proactive. That's what taking the helm is all about. When we talk about giving kids the skills and tools and strategies they need at a very young age. Um, or being proactive for mental health with children. Vocabulary, knowledge, and support are are some things that you have recommended in our pre-conversation around emotional emotional regulation. In your practice, how do you see this? So I'm seeing this in practice where, you know, a lot of these children are coming to us not understanding their emotions or even their bodily reactions to emotions. So I like to start sessions with a piece of paper that I have pre-made where we walk through kind of different colors to explain what they're feeling like. So something fun. Then I have um, like a body, um, just like a gingerbread man. And I will discuss with my clients, where are you feeling this emotion in your body today? And they take the color that they chose and they'll show me they feel it in their chest whether it's happiness sadness anger um their hands their head their belly and that really gets um us talking and discussing how not only do we feel these emotions in our brain and our thoughts but they are living within our body and being able to explain that to children because even at 28 years old like I a few years ago was really just learning about this and still to this day learn so much more about how to uh, work through these emotions in our bodies and the importance of movement. So that's another thing too, um, educating the importance of movement to the children and then talking about how does your body feel after that um, and just being able to connect all of it together and it's not just we're just sitting here and discussing your feelings there's lots of many other ways to get that knowledge we do it through books art movement lots of other activities so I think implementing that in session but also they are bringing these these pages home or their artwork and then that opens up again that discussion with their parents and it's also educating them at the same time because I think there's a very large gap in across everywhere because the generations before were not raised the way that generations are being raised today. So yeah, just being able to give those objects to them and um, informing the parents and talking to them and opening up our doors and a safe space for them as well. And just really connecting with everyone, the parents, the children, and bringing them in as a team to help support all of them. Because at the end of the day, it's not just the children, it's the parents as well, who need that support and would definitely benefit from it. So let me just throw out a scenario. Um, Obviously, I have an intention of doing this, but a child who just, you know, doesn't, can't say how they're feeling, can't identify their feelings, and just kind of rolls through life like that. Like, what's their future path if they can't understand their, they can't label, what do they call it? Name it to tame it. If they can't name the emotion, if they don't understand why they're feeling that way, and if they don't know what to do about it, what's going to happen? Well, they will have an inability to cope and just going through life on um, survival mode and being overwhelmed and probably very confused and just not noticing, not being self-aware not coming from a growth mindset 
and we want to be proactive and allow these children to grow to their fullest potential. And by implementing these practices to mom and dad or caregiver and the children, I think we'll definitely fill that gap. Okay, super. So in your profession around, you call it behavior management, call it whatever we want, being responsive to behavior so we understand their purpose. When we see children blowing up in whatever context that is, talking about feelings and emotions and teaching them a way for them to cope that works for them is a huge part of it, is it not? Absolutely. It really is a huge part. And being able to normalize these thoughts and feelings that, yes, we do feel angry. You know, in session, I talk to the children, I feel angry. It's, I'm not just sitting across from them pretending that I live this perfect life or anything like that. I, I also get angry. And it's finding ways that work for you to help you stay out of those states or to recognize before you're going to get to that state. And that's what I tell my client, my clients as well is if, if something doesn't work that we tried in session, you know, you go home and these behaviors are still happening at home or at school or wherever, that's okay. And I don't want you to be ashamed. I want to be able to come back together and collaborate again, what worked, what didn't, and giving them that voice in session, outside of session, and practicing that voice in a safe space so then they can further use it. Yeah. And practicing the the, the, the strategy that you're using too. You go, go home and try it once. It's you know, you know, These things do take practice. They take time for everyone involved. Um, having everybody work together is a really critical part. So it, let's just say you have a family where, you know, a very important role model is just is still stuck in the stage of suck it up buttercup. They have to figure it out. I'm not getting involved in any of this stuff. How do you manage that? Julia? I try to convey that it's not about them. It's about the child or about the client. It's about their needs and what they need in that moment from you, whether kids having a complete and utter like explosion of emotions and you're just like suck it up like screaming back at them go to your room blah 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 that that's not that might not be what that child or person needs in that moment they may need you to be like okay take a minute and we can come back to this conversation you know taking that step back is so important and being able to look at the situation as the adult you need to be able to sit back, look at the situation and understand whether or not you are contributing to that behavior. So whether you are enabling that behavior or decreasing that behavior, that's extremely important to be able to understand and why in that situation, it's not about you. It's about that child or that person's needs in that situation. And, you know, we're all human. And for me to say, well, it worked for me. Well, maybe it did work for me. But this is a totally different time in a totally different world. And, and I guess the behaviors that your children are showing you are telling us something. And if we just stop and pay attention to say, what is this all about? To say, you know, is this is this the way I want? Uh, is this the future I want for my child in two months and six months and five years and 10 years? Yeah, we just maybe say, yeah, maybe I'd like to try something else. Yes, everybody is different. And that's the whole point of individual and one-on-one counseling. It's because everybody is different. 
All right. Well, we have been talking with Kelsey and Julia about being proactive for our children and their own mental health. Uh, when we come back from break, we're going to move into talk therapy, uh, something that we can use after possibly we've done a storyboard or reading a book to a child. How do we self-regulate as adults and why it is so important to look at the whole mind, body, and soul connected? We'll be back in a minute. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. (laughs) Our children are growing up in a world that is more complex than ever. It's time to start thinking proactively. Meet Zerko and the children who glow in the color they are feeling because they haven't learned to control their emotions yet. In the Power of Thought Children's series, we're not only teaching children about emotional vocabulary, but how to recognize how they are feeling and what they can do about it. We live on an imaginary planet called Tezra, where every character is named after a crystal. Each of the five books in the series takes children into a situation they can relate to, but teaches problem-solving skills and evidence-based strategies they can use for life. This series was developed in collaboration with clinicians, educators, parents, and guardians, and it's the winner of the Mom's Choice Award. Check it out at lynnmclaughlin.com under the Books tab. Birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Taking the Helm with Lynn McLaughlin. Have a question for Lynn or her guests? Join us on the show at 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. Now, back to the show. And welcome back. We're talking to Kelsey and Julia, who are child and youth practitioners. A different way to think about supports we can give to our kids to our, or our students when it comes to their mental health or their emotional well-being. We're going to move into talk therapy now. And I believe, Kelsey, you were you were the one speaking to me about this. So we, Julia and I, we share an office and we purchased the book series of yours, The Power of Thought. And we have been absolutely loving putting this to practice. Our, the children that we are working with absolutely love it. They get really excited with all the fun colors and mm-hmm. the names, all of it. It's so fun and opens up. It, it's such a great lead way into discussions about these topics that might be more difficult for children to grasp and understand but when they're looking at these fun pictures and it is written in a way that is that they're really able to grasp and understand, um, it allows so much for growth and conversation in our sessions. And I'm sure Julia can attest, we absolutely love it and the worksheets that go along with it. So I should add, you, we, I, I met the two of you. It was the Fun Fest. It was a fun festival, fun fair, children's fun fair that was being run to raise uh, funds for a summer camp that helps kids build uh, emotional uh, regulation skills, self-awareness, basically emotional intelligence. And you had a booth there and that's how we met and uh, shared each with each other what we were each doing. So I'm just tickled pink that, that this 
this is working for you. And the think tank pages are one way to do it, but you've taken it to a different level I've not heard of before, uh, applied to actually our book series in 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 it uh, basically being the the beginning of a conversation of talk therapy. Yeah, absolutely. To piggyback on that, um, in my sessions, before I started with the books, with the children that I was using, that I that I work with, I I would get a lot of I don't knows to my to my questions like how are you feeling I don't know what makes you angry I don't know things like that so when I started since I've started implementing these books in sessions I've re- I've noticed that they have more vocabulary like what we were discussing they have more vocabulary and they can understand their emotions and how to cope with them um my favorite one is is what I'm thinking true I absolutely love that one I've that's the first one that I start with. Absolutely. Every single time I go to be like, I have these books. That is the first one that I read to them because I feel like it is such a great start to introducing them to what the books are, introducing them on how to recognize your feelings. And then it has a great coping mechanism of how to regulate yourself back to a homeostasis so in that book, I believe it's when the one character is in bed trying to fall asleep and she keeps thinking about or they keep thinking about how their friends didn't invite them to the park. Um, and then the one main character comes in, sees if that character is okay, and then realizes, no, they're actually not and they're not able to go to sleep, which is such a big thing as yes. well. Being That struggle to fall asleep has been crazy. So... With that, the teacher then helps them go through the the process of how to calm themselves down and think through whether or not what they're thinking in their brain is true. So the char- the one character that's not able to sleep, that's having all of these thoughts run through their, fr- their head about their friends not inviting them is talking about, my friends don't like me. They don't want to hang out with me. They don't want me at the park. I'm not fun to play with. Just going through all of those feelings and emotions, which is so big to feel right before you try to go to sleep and you can't. So the teacher kind of helps with describing how to go through and be like, is what I'm thinking true? Absolutely not. My friends do like me. They have the reasons for not inviting me. Maybe next time I'll just go see if they're there. And we can hang out, go from there. I absolutely love it. It's my favorite book. <laughs> well, it's going to sound self-serving. I'll just tell everybody there's a, if you want to enter the free draw right now, we're giving away all five with a set of crystals. So, you know, but, but I do have, I do want to share something because, you know, I take aqua aerobics. Yes, I'm that age, but nice. actually I love it. And a woman in the pool said, Oh, I think I know you. I know you from the art center. And I, yeah, I just brought in uh, the newest, the fifth, the fifth book. And she said, oh, I have to tell you. And this woman is probably late 50s. She said, I can't shut my down my mind down on Friday night. So, and and now I think, is what I'm thinking true? <laughs> she read the book and she's <laughs> applying it to herself at her age. And she's just actually written a testimonial that we're going to publish soon. But um, uh, it just tickles me pink that this is making a difference to not just kids, but to adults alike. And, uh, you know, and there are lots of books, not just, not just our Power of Thought book series. And we've actually started to do... Uh, uh, we're starting to do links on my on my in my website about proven evidence based resources that are available for people. So we're gonna we're building that up. It's not published yet, 
uh, a couple of things are, but not many. And I'm hoping within the next month we can put that out because uh, there's just, there are a lot of choices. We just have to let people know what they are. Absolutely. It is so difficult to find reliable resources these days because everybody has an opinion. You have many that you promote as well. What's your favorite one? My favorite one is, you know, more than you think you do. So with that, I like to use that with my teenagers going into um, exams and things like that to help them reduce their worries in um, in their exams. Like, oh, I, I'm going to forget everything. It's like, no, you won't. You're going to see a question and you're going to remember it because you know it, because you know more than you think you do. You've studied, you've gone to class, you've did the work, you've done the work. You got this. You know more than you think you do. That is my biggest one. Kelsey, what's yours? I would say that mine is, I don't really have a key term like Julia, but really validating yourself and and kind of piggybacking off of that. But you are your number one supporter. So I want you to get in your own corner and, and fully embody that and be the supporter that you know that you need and who you really are. Okay. And Julia, pure mentality. I'd like to know more about pure mentality for our listeners. I was blown away when I saw what was on that site. And I'm going to put you on the spot to say what's your, what's your favorite product there? So Pure Mentality Mental Health and Wellness Boutique is where both Kelsey and I did our third year placements and uh, was then inevitably welcomed to join and be uh, welcomed as a private practice for children and youth, which is why we're here. Um, but Pure Mentality offers a wide variety of things. So we'd have a boutique, as in the name, um, where we sell mental health products. Uh, so a lot of essential oil, like a lot of holistic products, essential oils, um, lava rocks, um, bath bombs, things like that to help you with your self-care, as well as keeping yourself organized with uh, journals and to-do lists, things like that. Everything under the sun that you can think of. We also have a beautiful library of mental health resources as well. Um, there is a book there that I personally use in a lot of my practice. Uh, It's called the Anger Management Management Book. Um, And it has a lot of workbooks or work pages that you go through and just kind of come to peace to that homeostasis center um, in all of that anger that the child may be child or youth may be feeling. Um, so that's an amazing resource that's in the library at Pure Mentality. We do also have a wellness gym. Um, so we do yoga, jazzercise, a lot of family events there. Very soon, we will be having a, a movie night to raise funds for Rosie's Mission, which is our affordable counseling initiative. So uh, at Pure Mentality, we are able to offer services at a affordable rate um, through Rosie's mission. Um, and you're welcome to head over to that site, uh, Pure Mentality, and donate to Rosie's mission uh, because it is a very amazing service that we are able to offer. And it's helping a lot of people in the Windsor-Essex community. It's always amazing to give back to the community. I think it should be a given for any any company, small company, um, Kelsey and Pure Mentality uh, under the site. What's your favorite resource? It's funny because the one that Julia explained, the anger management book, is actually my go-to resource 
again, piggybacking off of earlier, what I had said was that anger is such a prevalent topic within session and it, it breaks it down so nicely. I even recommend it to some of my parents. Like if you want to work through this, through these pages, it's a, it's an amazing resource. And I do it with my daughter at home for myself. It's just such a great resource. And that is for sure my favorite one. I do believe we have um, the same author of that book, Executive Functioning. And that is one that I want to start looking at next because the information within these books are so easily retained and they break it down so nicely with lots of activities. So it's definitely my go-to and I, I promote that to my parents to or to the parents of the children that I work with to even um, obtain a copy for at home or extra printouts from the book that I have so that they can actually use that as well. All right. And what is the website that people can go to? It is mypeermentality.ca. I've been thinking about, you know, child youth workers, child youth care workers, whatever term we use, and and how we're so overwhelmed in our mental health systems worldwide for a, a number of reasons. And we can't go back and say, what are we going to do differently? We're here now for a whole multitude of very complex reasons. But I think now in Ontario, what's happened with our healthcare center, and I and I want to push back and challenge the decision makers to think about this in terms of mental health. So our pharmacy, our pharmacists now in Ontario are allowed to give out prescriptions for I think there's ten or fifteen different things, uh, bladder infections, et cetera, et cetera, which is taking the onus, which is taking the pressure off of sometimes emergency rooms, family doctors, walk-in clinics. The other thing that has also happened is we have nurse, nurse practitioner clinics or nurse practitioners that are working under uh, uh, do medical doctors. We actually have clinics of nurse practitioners now who have a lot, um, who can write a number of prescriptions. And I believe they now can write some for narcotics. It might have to have an approval through through a medical practitioner, I'm not sure. But having these, just these two, and there's so many other things, there are urgent care walk-in centers now and a variety of other things, has really taken the pressure off of those frontline practitioners in terms of our physical health. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could think the way you two ladies already have started to think about offering other opportunities for people so they don't have to wait or maybe what you're offering is all they need. They don't need to look any further. It's short-term or it's long-term and it's available almost immediately. What do you think? I would absolutely agree. Um, so from what I know from discussion within the community, some of our therapists in Windsor-Essex have a wait list of one month to six months, which unfortunately does not help the community right away, right? So. I believe that making CYC practitioners more aware that they are able to make their own private practice under supervision is crucial to filling in that gap of, of counseling, of the counseling needs in our community. So MSW for listeners is a master of social work. So supervised by a master of social work and boom, you can start your own business. And I love the fact that it's regulated. You're under a professional organization and you are making a difference to kids, to youth and to adults 
in our county and all the way up through Ontario, although albeit limited, but hopefully this discussion today will help people think in a different way about this and and um, venture out. I agree. I hope so as well. That's exactly what we wanted to do with this, um, with our episode in the podcast is to make it more known to the community that this is an option. You don't have to go just into the school board, daycares, things like that. There are so many options for child and youth practitioners. And unfortunately, it's just not as talked about because there is a need in all of those other places that I have just said, the school board, Maryvale, we are all in dire straits for practitioners. All right. And closing comments, Julia, you go first. What would you like to say? I would like to say thank you, everybody, for tuning in to our episode. It has been an absolute pleasure um, to discuss our views and to inform about child and youth practitioners and um, and just to chat. I appreciate you so much for allowing us to have this platform and this time on your podcast. It has been an absolute treat. Thank you so very much. Oh, thank you. I've learned a great deal in the last hour with you. Kelsey, what have you got to say? I would just like to thank everyone as well for tuning in, listening, and I hope that this has reached and inspired people who are out there listening and looking for any guidance in any way and always know that um, if you need any assistance when it comes to mental health, please feel free to reach out to either myself or Julia and you're not alone. And you can reach them through the website of mypurementality.ca. Now, I'm excited next week to bring Faust Ruggiero to us. His professional career spans almost 40 years. He's a published research author, a clinical trainer, and a therapist who has worked in settings that have included clinics for deaf children, prisons, nursing homes, substance abuse centers, inpatient facilities, and major corporations. As the president of the Community Psychological Center in Bangor, Pennsylvania, in that capacity, he developed the Process Way of Life, which is a counseling program to help clients address the various conditions which are affecting their lives. And as we end every week, let's check our compass and learn what we need to as we empower our children to face the ups and downs of life, which will surely come. We'll see you in a week's time. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of Taking the Helm. We hope that Lynn and her guests have provided valuable insights on how to create a safe emotional space for your children that empowers them to be their best selves. Until we talk again, have a wonderful week.